It's Christine and Kaylee with Brain Grub. Beating your brain. Hi, welcome back. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Excellent. Today, we have a special guest, our husband and joining us, Ford. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, Hi. So this is our actually a, a momentous occasion because we were talking that today is the first time we were having a guest on the show. Woo-hoo. I'm so honored. I know, I know. You get to be the first one. Sorry, my mic is really tripping out right now. Okay, so today we have asked Ford to come aboard and talk to us because we are talking about challenges of military transition to civilian life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... If you've ever been a part of military service or you know someone who is, um, military service is an experience unlike anything else, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, And life in the military is significantly different in many ways from life as a civilian. Um, During, you know, their time in service, um, the men and women of the military abide by directives and orders Mm -hmm. passed down from their superiors. So shifting back into civilian life where this kind of structure is not present can really pose a significant challenge. Yeah. Okay, and today we're gonna talk about this. Yeah. Right. So veterans ending their service might struggle um, and mm-hmm. really just have to relearn aspects of civilian life that may really seem pretty um, routine yeah. to Kaylee and I, right? Mm-hmm. And that can be really different for every single military service person. So we, we asked for to join us today, um, really mm-hmm. to talk about his experience yes, and to tell us a little bit about military life and to really help maybe give some, I guess, insight into what it's like to transition back to civilian life. Absolutely. And beyond. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, when we come back from the break, we're going to take a little break. We're going to talk a little bit about what are the common challenges. Mm-hmm. We're going to tell have Ford tell us, oh, maybe before we go on break, have Ford tell us about himself, a little yeah. bit about, about his military service. Yeah, we'll do that as a teaser. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'll also talk about what are common challenges, maybe um, – what his particular experience has been like. And then as we wrap up the hour, just like we do, we're going to talk about what can you do? What are some tips and tricks, right? Things Mm -hmm. to prepare for if you are a person, military service, transitioning out to civilian life, or if you know someone and maybe you are noticing they are having some challenges coming back to civilian life, what you can do or offer resources wise to help them. So again, let's do this before we go on break. So tell us Ford, (laughs) tell us about you. I know everything, but Kaylee doesn't. So talk to us. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this. And so again, I appreciate the time to share about my experience and experience that I have seen in some of the uh, Marines I've had the honor and pleasure of leading. So a little about myself, uh, currently still serving in the Marine Corps Reserve. I am a major I've been in over 11 years, mm-hmm. and like you said, you know all this. I so do. I'll do I know. the abbreviated version. Uh, spend time in, all across the U.S., Hawaii, Okinawa, Korea, all across the Pacific, Eastern Europe, Central Europe, and f- concluded my active time in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So I am an Afghanistan veteran. Again, over nice. a, 11 years. Um, like to say I've been there, done that, I got the T-shirts. <laughs> Humbly, though, I know a lot of my fellow uh, veterans who have done a whole lot more, you know, multiple tours, uh, different experiences. Yeah. No one experience in the military, even in the Marine Corps, is the same as any other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think where we do end up having a lot of similarities, being the subject of this podcast, is the transition. Mm-hmm. That shift from a military culture to a civil, civilian 
culture. Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look forward to talking about it more. Okay. Yeah. All right. So right after this break, we will come back and talk about what are those common uh, challenges across branches, across services, mm-hmm. and you can give us a little bit more experience. And don't worry. We haven't forgotten. Kaylee has pulled that research, mm-hmm. right? She's going to give us <laughs> the research, which really might shock you. I actually yeah. was really surprised um, looking at these numbers of how high some yeah. of these percentages are with just difficulties in transitioning, as well as things that you wouldn't maybe even expect to be a challenge. So, yeah. all right, when we come back right after this break. It's Christine and Kaylee with Brain Grub. Feeding your brain. Yeah, and today we have Ford in the house with us talking about military transitions to civilian life. Mm -hmm. So before the break, we were introducing Ford. He is my husband. And um, this is the first guest we are having on our show. We are really excited to have him just to be able to really give us a personal perspective of military transitions and being able to transition back to military uh, from military to civilian life. Mm -hmm. And Ford is a little bit of a hybrid because he went from active duty right right. to a veteran (laughs) status to now a reservist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've kind of done all the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we want to kind of dig into a little bit about some common challenges that someone may face when transitioning civilian life. So I'm just going to kind of give you some some few of these, and then I'd really like to hear from you, and Kaylee would probably and I will have yes. some, some comments or questions okay. um, about what was that experience like for you, or if, if we're off the mark, right? So doing the research, it says that one of the things are relating to people who don't have any military experience. So I'm just going to give you the list first. Okay, so that's number one. Mm-hmm. That's a common challenge, right? Being a military person and then not being able to relate because people just haven't had your experience. Two, um, joining or rejoining the workforce. So coming mm-hmm. back out of military service and then trying to find a job, mm-hmm. right? Like how does blowing stuff up really <laughs> translate into on my resume? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And number three, establishing a structure and a routine of your own. So not just a daily work routine, but that may also include other routines routine things like what am I eating for breakfast or do I go to the gym or you know, right. those kinds of things and then the last one is really connecting to services what I mean by that is connecting to services like doctors um, barbers dentists or any other provider who might provide a service to you even like someone who might work on your car because mm. those are common things that you don't really think about right but, you know I'm and when you're in the military the military takes care of everything I used to um, joke when we would move I would say say the best way to move is move military because they literally come in and pack everything oh, including wow. your trash <laughs> if what? you i and, swear and, yep. if you do not get rid of your trash they come in like a whole team of people and they literally you're not supposed to pack anything they pack huh. they actually write down every single item that you have they pack it including all your trash they pack it up into a truck they move it to the next place it goes, and then they another team comes in and unpacks everything and puts it all in its places. It's very overwhelming because wow. you have to just point and tell them where to go. But it's honestly that's the best. Yeah, that's it. Sounds kind of nice. It, it, it can be. You know, <laughs> I think it was the best. <laughs> and I'm sure I wasn't there at the time. So Actually, like, no. Fort yeah. was never there. <laughs> You're right. And another military 
transition. Yeah. Okay. So, t- so honestly, like I said, these are kind of the common ones. So, for Tilsier's perspective, kind of what what do you think is this true, not true, etc. Again, you've kind of done all the things. You've gone yeah. from being a civilian, being active duty, veteran, reservist. Tell us. I think having read all of your your articles and the discussions we've had, all of it, it's really spot on. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. come from a culture where you're told where to go, what time, what to wear, everything's provided for you. Even to your earlier point, Christine, you know, the auto shop on base. Remember uh, we were working on your car in yeah. Okinawa? And yeah. everything's provided. You just got to sign a piece of paper that says, I uh, won't hurt myself. Yeah, it was <laughs> pretty awesome. We actually did our own body shop work mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. in Okay, so all those resources Japan. are provided for huh. you. I mean, even in the U.S., a major installation is like a small city. It has everything mm-hmm. you need from a grocery store that would put any Costco to shame to an automotive repair facility. Right. Um, you know, they have everything there because the military wants you to focus on their primary mission, which mm-hmm. is fighting and winning our nation's wars. Wow. Right. Protecting our freedom exactly mm-hmm. so they they provide a lot and obviously for all of you out there radio land who may or may not be a veteran or have not served you know that's not the case in right. the real world right you've got to plan your breakfast you got to figure out when you got to go to the grocery store you got to back plan from any event you've got to build your schedule all things that you know i would say again civilians do on a daily basis without thinking you know that Freedom, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, is is taken away in the military, right? And, which is right. necessary, right? It's to create yeah. a, a sense of we, a collective, to fight and win, not an I. Mm-hmm. 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 Even I just thought about this, but even if you're on a military installation, you have schools. There's schools mm-hmm. for your kids. There's oh, wow. daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, there's churches. You name yes, it, it's there. It's Man. it's all it's all there, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. Um, and it's you know not typical in any any other job you have <laughs> no. besides the military. Right, right, yeah. right. And you know this is really more for again your say your, your active duty folks or you know say a reservist who has been activated and, and living on some sort of major installation you know stateside. You know your your general your, your reservists or guardsmen. Mm-hmm. You know they're quote unquote civilian soldiers, right? Mm-hmm. So you know they are civilians as well as. Army or Marine, Navy, et cetera, you know, reservists. So uh, they get it. And so I think there's always a larger, more difficult transition mm-hmm. from active duty or active reserve to the general civilian world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you think? So you talk about these lists. You said they're spot on. What mm-hmm. have been the most difficult for you, if you don't mind sharing? Oh, of course. Of course. Um, you know, I think coming back when I um, came home and 2017 it was May of 2017. It took me a solid year to really fully mm. immerse myself back into your normal day-to-day, you know, routines. And I had been away from home for over a year. I had been away from Christine uh, mm-hmm. for nearly that same amount of time, um, and having to adjust and learn just those basic. You know, functions like we talked about, you know, uh, re-establishing a schedule, you know, what's my workout schedule, what do I get in the office, back planning, you know, all those things I didn't have to think about for a very, very long time. Suddenly I have to rebuild those skills, and they're there, and they take time. Right. So I, I would say that that's really what sticks out the, the most. Luckily, I left a, a job, and the job was held for me, mm-hmm. and I was able to take a few months off from my combat tour to Afghanistan to my career, which I still have in finance. Uh, and still, 
it was a, a challenge. I remember that first day back to my, my firm, mm -hmm. in my mind, it was only yesterday that our plane had left Afghanistan. Hmm. So it takes time. And you have to learn how everyone else functions, right? right. The, the pace of the world is not the pace of the military. And that, I think, was one of the biggest struggles for me that stood out. And I think for a lot of veterans that I know I've talked to that has stood out is, you know, you expect something to be done to a certain standard and no questions asked. And that's, that's not the way the real world or civil, civil civilian world works. Right. So I had, to, I had to relearn patience and a different type of patience. Okay. Which, you know, I hope I've gotten better at. You have. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, but it, it takes time. And, and I, I would say, thank God, you know, I, I had someone, you know, as, as a partner. And that isn't always the case for so many of uh, the men and women who leave active duty or the active reserves or, or, or activated reservists, mm -hmm. right? That's not always the case. A lot of times they're going at this on their own. And that can be tough. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about um, off air just about how, you know, if you have been gone for a year's time mm -hmm. and during that time, let's say, let's say before you deploy, um, you get married mm -hmm. and when you come back, you now have a, a spouse you haven't seen for a year. And who knows, you might be out, you know, you if your spouse got pregnant or something, maybe you now have a an infant mm -hmm. right? Um, when you return. And then if you don't stay in the military and you get out and now you have to find a job right, right. Um, all of those services that are already figured out for you in the military mm -hmm. are now not figured out right, right. housing's mm -hmm. not figured out healthcare is not figured out no what your yeah. you know groceries are <laughs> nothing's right. figured out no. right it's a no. lot yeah, yeah it's a lot no it is it it is and i as a if i may kind yeah. of piggyback on that there was a, a friend of mine that I, I deployed with he has four children mm -hmm. he was only around for one birth oh wow uh, I mean, he, has a, he has a very strong marriage i mean they're they're a great couple and I th they are the anomaly they are not the norm mm -hmm. uh, but i've met both of them they're both incredible folks and <laughs> for three of his four kids though he was in iraq or he was in afghanistan he was in kuwait he was somewhere else mm -hmm. and you know, even in the early 2000s, right? They didn't have Zoom and these other kind of video chats we have right. now. He basically just got a letter. First one, hey, everything's fine. Mm -hmm. And that's that's how he knew if he had a boy or a girl. Wow. Now, things have evolved, obviously, in the 20 years of combat that we've had. You know, the technology's certainly gotten better just across the spectrum. And, and still, you know, I know plenty of folks that did not witness their son or daughter's birth right. maybe multiple times mm -hmm. uh, and that could be that could be tough on a marriage you know mm -hmm. you, you come home and that you didn't have a child and now you do and your wife and your child or your spouse rather are used to functioning in a certain manner the house functions in a certain manner and you are this anomaly you have to re-amalgamate yourself not into general civilian life but household life and that could be a big challenge and cause a lot of stress yeah on mm -hmm. both the the child and the spouse mm -hmm. uh, and it takes time and like a said earlier you know using christina as an example it took me and i would say even us a solid year to just fully you know immerse myself back into the quote-unquote regular world mm -hmm. and that's normal for most folks I, I would say that's quite normal yeah mm -hmm. now do you think it would be probably harder i don't know um if you and your spouse spouse were both in the military and you both got out at the same time, would that be easier, harder, different challenges, I'm sure? I think it would be a lot of different challenges. Mm -hmm. um, and I would lean more towards harder. Mm -hmm. I, I've known several folks that 
had spouses that were also in, and you know, of course, military does their best, quote unquote, to right. you know, say to you guys, yeah, that's not always the case. It's the needs of the military, not your needs. Um, you know, um, you know, if Christine and I were, were both in, you know, mm-hmm. we'd be part of different units, right? Mm-hmm. And that's by necessity. Well, her unit could be deploying at a different time than mine, and we become just two passing ships in the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. it's even tougher, I would think, on a yeah. uh, marriage. Yeah, that's your question, though. Yeah, that was my question. Yeah, thank you. So my question for you is, again, I know this, but I'm just asking. (laughs) Um, So for, and actually maybe I don't really know this because I've been pretty immersed into the military for quite a long time, right? Mm -hmm. I grew up with family in the military. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but for, let's say for someone um, who, you know, is friends with someone that's, that was active duty and now is getting out or has come from a deployment, um, you know, they're, what would be, I guess, maybe, I don't want to say tips or tricks or things that you think just to kind of let them know ah, their, their service members may be needing some space or needing some time. So what what would be some good ideas to help them understand, um, you know, their transitioning? It's it's going to take them a bit. I think it's patience, right? Okay. You know, that, that spouse that, you know, say to them just needs to understand that they have patience, that it's not anything they're doing mm-hmm. or not doing it's what that deployed service member or that veteran you know combat or not combat toured veteran has is has to process to deal with mm-hmm. and i think just having open honest conversations and you know just being polite and direct and coming for a position of, of love and care and saying mm-hmm. if you need space just tell me and uh, that type of open communication i think yields great results now it could be tough and mm-hmm. I would say even you and I have had to have a few of those conversations, especially when I got back. You know, sometimes uh, I just needed just to get away. I needed to reimmerse myself back at, back in the silence because that's what I was used to. You know, days and days without having to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just walking around Afghanistan. You know, you're on the radio a little bit, but you're not having real conversations. Right. And so I think it's just that open, honest, candid conversation and. The, well, you, you'll recognize it if you just step back and take a look. You know, for that that spouse, if they just mm-hmm. step back and take a look, like it does he feel or she she feel you know, a bit more agitated, on edge? Are they you know hyper vigilant? You know, I think a term is thrown around a bit too much, but still is a um, is a good term. Mm-hmm. And just recognizing those those symptoms. Now, if you throw in say lack of sleep or you know more erratic behavior, and that's when you need to have a different type of conversation and say, hey, you, you need to get some help. You need to talk to your buddies that you deployed with. You need to talk to some of the VA. You just need to talk to someone. Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times just getting that off, you know, whatever is bugging you off your chest, mm-hmm. it can really help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just knowing, um, and we're going to get into this about the mm-hmm. research um, after the break, but just knowing that um, you're not alone, right? I right. mean, being able yeah. to, like you said, talk to your buddies, um, or you know, reach out to the VA, get mm-hmm. someone to help because again, there's just so many things that are about transition, right? Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes, um, if you're a military member and you're getting out, whether you're coming back from a deployment and you're getting out, or maybe you're not coming back from a deployment, maybe you just did your four years, eight years, whatever, and you're just getting out, you know, maybe retired from the military mm-hmm. and now you're getting back into civilian life. Mm-hmm. I think there's a mindset like I should be able to figure this out, like this is civilian, right? I should, mm-hmm. I, right, but. 
it's a it's a whole different culture it's a whole different world it's a whole different life yeah mm-hmm. um so giving yourself some grace right if you're the military member and then helping your uh family members friends etc understand what's what's up right because right. if you're coming back from deployment um like this was true for for ford uh he did not want to have a, a homecoming party and he didn't want to have a bunch of people around but everybody that had not seen him for a year right. wanted to be around him yeah. and he mm-hmm. that was definitely not what you wanted no, right no. and that's quite normal yeah, you know, yeah. That is, and that, that is, is right mm-hmm. that is pretty common so helping helping people get that right. and mm-hmm. um not feel and and you know military members not feeling ashamed or that something's wrong with them because they are are feeling that way i think that's just it's it's a transition it's a Mm -hmm. moving Mm -hmm. towards acclimating back to the means any other things um as far as jobs do you think it's been tough with jobs etc tough with jobs yeah so one of the other common items was rejoining the workforce so what about the workforce I'd say as far as the, the work for, workforce goes, I'll piggyback off my kind of previous comment, you know, mm-hmm. learning proper expectations. In the military, if I, you know, as an officer, if I gave an order or I was given an order, it was, it was expected to simply be executed mm-hmm. right, to the standard, no questions asked. And it would be because that's the military culture. That's what it's supposed to happen. Okay. That doesn't always happen. Actually, seldom happens even, you know, today. You know, it takes more follow-up. You have to be more even more clear than you think you need to be and your expectations simply have to change right because the consequences honestly for someone failing to do something in your normal day-to-day job are quite insignificant compared to the consequences of someone failing to do their job you know in and out of uh, combat and military you know, mm-hmm. where people's lives could be lost mm-hmm. um, and, and so it's just l- learning the civil expectations and the acquiring the patience to have things done at a more, I say, let's call it mundane, normal speed. Mm-hmm. Something I, even I'll admit to this day, sometimes continue to struggle with. Mm-hmm. The other thing we didn't touch really on, and maybe this didn't because you were a little bit different and unique, um, because you went from active duty to then veteran right into a career, and then mm-hmm. now kind of doing a hybrid where you have your career and reservist. But right. the one of the common challenges was really about translating mm-hmm. um, really, I guess, opportunities or skills that you utilize as an active duty military person mm-hmm. to a civilian resume, right? We right. talked about that. Like, how do you put, I'm a, you know, I, I drop ordinance right. um, on your resume. And okay. and there is some research, and I don't, Kaylee may talk about this after the break, mm-hmm. about veterans that could be facing either discrimination about, because they, they quote, maybe don't fit in or expectation management. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you, did you find that was true for you, of being able to kind of translate your military skills into um, civilian skills? I would say less so than probably normally said I am a hybrid, you know, active duty to you know, more active reservist while starting a career to deploying to coming back and having more of a classic reserve career. Um, you know, being an officer, you know, I graduated graduate college, right? So I mm-hmm. had some more writing skills, some more communication skills, um, but still, you know, having to translate, you know, you said dropping ordinance, I am a forward air controller, so my job, even to this day, is still to destroy targets with bombs off of aircraft in mm-hmm. simple terms you know and well that doesn't really work anywhere else you know right so mm-hmm. 
how would I have translated that and how I always tried to educate my Marines was, well, don't necessarily talk about the direct action type of work you did. Talk about what you were responsible for, the millions of dollars worth of equipment or the people, the human lives that you were responsible for, the the tasks that, that you did and how they impacted day-to-day in operations, right? Because you know, at the end of the day, any business has operations, right? Mm-hmm. And, and organization, and organization skills, mm-hmm. right. getting things done and, and accomplished. Sure. Exactly. And talk about that. Talk about the skills that you learned. And th- although it's still a challenge, right? And mm-hmm. I would use an example of, you know, was responsible for, you know, a, a, as a forward air controller, ensuring the, the safety and well-being of a thousand, you know, Marines mm-hmm. while providing them, you know, close air support. Yes, that is a direct action kind of activity. But I would also talk about, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of hours of training I had to do, the, the special trust and confidence that my commanders had in me to operate autonomously and complete a mission or a task where if I failed, you know, people could lose their lives. So mm-hmm. able to deal with immense amounts of, of stress, right? That, that is a skill. And get yeah. the job done. And, and still accomplish the job to right. very high degree right mm-hmm. that, yeah. because yeah. the expectation is near perfection yeah right. you can't really mess up no right if and you do it will cost people lives exactly yeah. right yeah. not just a, like a boo-boo Oops. that we gotta fix right yeah, yeah. Uh, i would also say you know a, a direct translatable skill when you're responsible for you know, pick a number and you know tens of millions of dollars worth of oops, secret equipment right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so accountability that is a huge skill that applies in any business any type of corporation accountability and special trust and confidence so, yes, it's a direct action skill, but if you just find the right adjectives, the right words, it mm-hmm. can really translate into a meaningful skill for any employer. Uh, you know, and I would say, kind of special plug to my fellow Marines, there is a reason there are so many CEOs are Marines. Okay. I didn't know They're that. They're getting it done. They're getting it, done. They're getting it done. But so many other just top managers, top leaders, our military members, con- congressmen and women mm-hmm. who served in the Army, Navy, Marine Corps, right? Because that special trust and confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think, I can't remember if you told me or what the, the number was, but isn't there like so many military members from Ohio? This is mm-hmm. like a very military heavy state. Yeah. With right. military members that, yeah. were, that are in higher leadership positions. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how many... Um, is it how many presidents have been from Ohio? Or yeah, several. I mean, I can't name all the top of my head. History is, of course, a little mm-hmm. fuzzy. Yeah. But I think behind it's Texas, yeah. Yeah. we're the second. We have the second largest veteran, you know, population. Mm-hmm. And you know, you look at several of our pres- presidents, con- congressmen and women, senators, yeah. um, have served in the military yeah. and with distinction in both their civilian government career and. In the military careers. Yep. Awesome. Okay. So when we come back, we're going to dig into those numbers with mm-hmm. research and some of those may surprise you. Yes. Um, all right. So stay tuned right after this break. It's Christine and Kaylee. Brain grub. Feeding your brain. And we have Ford in the house today. Yay. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. All right. So before the break, we were talking about just common challenges mm-hmm. of what military members may face when going from military life to civilian life, right? Yes. And you mentioned a few things that I think we might be surprised about. So mm-hmm. Kaylee, our research gal, mm-hmm. has kind of dug up some stats. So tell us a little bit about what you found about, um, I guess, what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Difficulties in transitioning. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's multiple factors that affect transitioning, Mm -hmm. Um, one of them being the service era. So um, there was a survey of veterans from all eras, and they show that approximately 30% of veterans had a difficult time with reentry, and the remaining 70% reported an easy time adjusting. Okay. So... 
That's not that bad, that's really. Not that that bad. doesn't seem terrible with 30%, yeah. but that's still pretty high. Yeah, okay. but it's all eras. It's not just all surface areas. It's eras. It's not just like... Okay, so, so this is every every mm-hmm. every era for all of military time. Yes. For okay. those who I'm sure rely for the survey, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so, but looking only at veterans from post-9-11 wars, 44% reported a difficult time. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if it gets into reasons, but I'm guessing it's it's really just the nature of post 911 yeah time yeah okay um, i asked for it earlier so i guess well, why is that why is there the difference between before 911 and after 911 i think it's a great question and i'm going to do my best to shorten the answer <laughs> in a way of so it's time so you know between really the 1991 you know the gulf war desert storm and mm-hmm. 2001 was a decade of relative peace mm-hmm. right i mean Clinton administration, you know, kind of downsized, shrunk the military, budgets were going elsewhere, and then, oh, hey, we were attacked. Mm-hmm. Well, gosh darn it, everyone get up, get on a plane, get on a boat, and get going. And and we did. And the senior leaders, you know, had some combat experience. I think most of the, the military didn't, right? It'd been over a decade. So especially your, your younger enlisted, you know, your uh, folks had, well, they'd separated, they'd left. Mm-hmm. Now 2001 kicks off, and uh, we just don't stop fighting. Mm. And for over 20 years, we're in Iraq, we're Afghanistan, other areas of the Middle East, and we're just constantly, constantly going. Um, I, I can speak from the, the Marine Corps perspective, obviously far more than the Army. Um, you know, the Marines would do seven months workup, you do a seven-month deployment, you take a month off, and then the cycle starts over mm. and over and over and over, and, and you burn out fast you're at a duty station for say three years or so and especially in the the height of it all you know later 2010s into the teens you know you in three years at one station you were doing two rotations to either Iraq or Afghanistan sometimes both Hmm. and so I think that's a major difference between the post 9-11 world Mm -hmm. in the last 20 odd some years we've had and the pre 9-11 world okay yeah man major what else did you find um emotional distress so in post 9-11 wars approximately 43 percent of veterans reported having a traumatic experience and 16 percent suffered a serious injury okay the study Mm -hmm. also showed that the chance of easy re-entry was reduced by 26 percent for those who experienced trauma okay makes perfect sense right Mm -hmm. and um if you're doing multiple tours you're deploying back to back it's more likely just based on how war is happening right um that you could have a some kind of traumatic event. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes back to that, you know, constant rotation, right? And, and the Army does 12, sometimes 15-month rotations, mm-hmm. and then they're doing back-to-back. That's that's a lot in the psyche. Yeah. I mean, you know, really, I know the Navy SEALs do like 90 days. Yeah, I think Air Force has a little bit shorter Air deployment. Force, is it three months? Well, or it's three to four months, yeah. They're, okay. you know, but, but they're, still. They're also not, you know, yeah. direct-action guys. I mean, I know yeah. some of my... my Marines that I, you know, I led when they were junior Marines uh, before I had the chance and honor of working with them. They just got left. You know, mm. they're basically like, "Oh, hey, we didn't, you know, figure out they being the government how to relieve you." And they're stop lost or they're stop just lost. Still yeah, you're staying. still there. Yeah, your seven month tour got un you know, involuntarily extended to twelve. Sorry, wow. because you have a job to do, and mm-hmm. we don't care. And that happened a lot with the Army. I don't know so mm-hmm. much, honestly, about if that ever happened with the, with the Air Force or the. Um, 
I believe it's more of the your Navy, your, but I'm guessing it did happen. Mm-hmm. I think yes, and I think a lot of it, more of it happened to the Army and the Marine Corps, where you know you, you need those those infantry units, you need know, mm-hmm. those artillery, you need those combat units to get in there and do the job. They're on the yeah. ground, yeah. yeah. What else did you find? Um, so about the marital marital status, uh, deployment is more likely to have a negative impact on marriages, making the transition more difficult for married veterans, like Ford was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and among veterans whose marriages suffered as a result of deployment, 61% reported having a difficult time also re-entering civilian life as well yeah making sense right because they're trying to now to kind of readjust and make it make sense for now their married life Mm -hmm. i did think when i when i saw i was looking at a few of those it did say that um for for military folks having it an easier time readjusting it said that it was non-married military folks that had an easier time and i'm guessing it's because they just don't have to worry about the relationship piece Right. right? right they're not um so worried about now i'm trying to figure out and make my relationship makes sense mm-hmm. i'm also trying to make my life make sense so if you're single that makes it makes it a little bit easier to just maybe focus on just trying to make my life make sense right mm-hmm. yeah I could see uh, that. yeah uh, there were i mean kind of goes without saying it's, yeah you mm-hmm. would think it'd be the direct opposite but it does create a lot more stress yeah oftentimes mm-hmm. yeah uh, especially for say you know a, a spouse who first marriage they're they're young and they have had the first time away from home is now with this deployed service member and that they don't know how to operate any more than the service member now they're coming right. back and they have to relearn how to be with each other mm-hmm. and that that can be tough you know go back to our experience right i had to relearn we had to relearn how to be a married couple again yeah yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're even some silly yeah. things, right? I mean, mm-hmm. even some silly things like your routine, like my routine got messed up. Right. Not That's just his routine. My routine got messed up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. What I did on Tuesday was now not what I do on Tuesday. Right. Mm-hmm. And not because, oh, great, Ford's home, but right. oh, great, Ford's home. But that still messes up. Right. Right. What I do and mm-hmm. my daily routine, right. et cetera. So now we had to relearn how to live in the same space where for a year actually much longer Mm -hmm. than a year i lived in my own space and he lived in his own space well sort of other very tight space (laughs) and other people he lived with a bunch of other people but what else what else you got okay so um more than 40 percent of veterans say they experience high levels of difficulty when transitioning all right studies show that those individuals are five times more likely to experience suicidal ideation okay um, when asked if their transition experience was more difficult than expected, 48% of veterans agree. When asked if their transition experience was stressful, 76% of veterans agree. Yeah. So I think, again, here's the majority, right? Mm-hmm. That's three-fourths of every veteran says it's not that it's not easy. Right. And they are trained to do Right. right. There. So what the what we're going to talk about this as we talk about resources after the break. Mm-hmm. But um, and Ford will give you a little bit more info. But they're trained to be military members. Right. Right. We don't really have a ton of training on how to be a civilian. No. I mean, the, the, the objective right. of the military is to fight when a nation's wars. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it. Period. End, right. end of story. And a not derivative, to train you to yeah. be an accountant. Right. A derivative of that, though, is yes, we make better citizens. And, and I would say definitely we, we do. The military does make better people. That being said, you know, the, the transition assistance program isn't as robust as it, it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, the reasons we don't have to get into today, um, the, the resources are not 
you know, as robust as they probably could be or, or, or certainly need to be, especially when you consider the sheer volume of uh, those leaving the military on a just daily basis. Yeah. So oh, Speaking of that, how many did you see or leaving the military? I thought I read somewhere it was like 200 uh, service members become veterans every year. 200,000, sorry, 200,000 yeah. veterans enter the veteran. I don't know. Yes, become, veterans, become veterans. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Two, yeah. yeah it That's is. crazy. Well yeah. Two hundred thousand. Right. Every year. That's a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. a ton. It is. It yeah. is. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as I kind of con- to conclude that thought, I, I would say again, we find when our wars. Yes, we make better c- citizens, but the military's job is not to make you a carpenter, a an accountant, a. It's not whatever. to make you a citizen. A citizen. It is to make you a better citizen. Yes, but it is it coming upon. On, you know, us to, to figure that out and that right. that takes time and that's why it can be so difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Any other things? Uh, let me see here. Well I guess so more than eighty percent of post nine eleven veterans say that the public does not understand the problems those who have served face in transitioning to civilian life. So mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, that's a huge, right? Well, and I guess, and we'll get into this even more, but even with, we'll say, employment, if you um, if you have an employer who doesn't really understand military life mm-hmm. or military culture, um, it could come off, I guess, as being rigid or being um, non-conforming, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a military member that is 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 really kind of transitioning, that could be difficult to try to help help that work together right help to kind of make that transition work so if 80 percent are are experiencing feeling like people don't get it people meaning you know civilian life doesn't get it Mm -hmm. that's a huge um difficulty of trying to train to kind of transition in yeah it's big yeah Yeah, it is uh roughly 35 percent of veterans said that they have trouble paying their bills in the first few years after leaving the military um, more than 45% of veterans with combat experience describe transition as difficult compared to 18% of veterans with no combat experience. Okay. Mm-hmm. Still pretty high. Yeah, it is. Okay. For and sure. we know that, unfortunately, suicide rates are really on the rise. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Did you get some stats on that? I think I was looking. Um, it looked like at some at one point not that long ago maybe five years ago it was kind of the 20 you know the average was 22 veterans a day committed suicide mm-hmm. i mm. think the average is a little bit less now but mm-hmm. i still think it's almost like 17 or 18 no matter what that's way too high yeah it is it's way too high one one is too many uh for, for, for sure. my brothers sisters to, to take their lives and it's 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 terrible and it's an, it is an epidemic and i would say it's a direct just result of the amount of fighting that this nation has done over the last 20 years and that you know the stress that is put not only on that service member but on their on their families mm-hmm. um, you know physical emotional trauma and, and stress and untreated can obviously doctor you know this uh, yield terrible results yeah and uh, only now has the stigma of mental health been removed where you know, veterans feel more confident and comfortable you know approaching a professional to to discuss a myriad of issues mm-hmm. where you know even a few years ago that simply wasn't the case yeah absolutely and again i think this goes without saying you're right one is is too many and um if you're a military member transitioning to civilian life or you are a veteran absolutely trying to find someone who understands the experience that you can mm-hmm. talk about your experiences with is really important. Right? It is. You got to find that sense of community. I think that was the biggest thing, if I may, mm-hmm. for for me was when I when I left. You know, 
you know, I found us as a community. I, I found fellow veterans, you know, in the community that, that got me. And we could go bowling. We could, you know, sit at the pub. We could just sit around and talk and share stories. And you still had then that sense of community, that brotherhood or that sisterhood, those people that understood you. And we could share those experiences and just simply talking to each other and, and to some of these guys and gals that are my longtime dear, dear friends. Mm-hmm. You know, never served with them a day in my life. I, before, but mm-hmm. you know, there's my closest friends now. It was a huge help uh, for me because mm-hmm. uh, I was able to maintain that contact, you know, that quote-unquote military contact, as well as slowly you know, immerse myself back into a civil culture. Yeah. So, yeah. any other stats that we should check about before we go on break? Um, sure. Yes. So, fifty-seven percent um, veterans ha- are at higher risk of suicide. So, what that is more than one point five times the national average. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's huge. Yes. So in twenty twenty, there was six thousand one hundred forty-six veteran suicides. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, there was um, one hundred twenty-five thousand veterans uh, that have died by suicide since two thousand and one. Again, one is one is too many. And yeah, it's, it, it it's terrible. It's an epi- it's an epidemic or a pandemic or whatever the right word is, mm-hmm. doctor. Yeah. and it, it can be resolved. And it's just you know mm-hmm. if you're out there and you're listening, like seek help, ask for help, talk yes, to a friend, please. talk to a spouse, talk talk to someone. I'm mean, talk to your dog. Yeah, he or she will listen. My, will. my dog mm-hmm. Lily loves to listen to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and it, it helps. It it can, it can be wonders. And if you see a veteran that is is struggling. Or even you think is struggling, there there is a right way to approach them and just just ask how they're doing, ask how they're feeling. They may put on a tough face, but and just come from a position of love and of caring, mm-hmm. and that you want to be there to support them, whether it's a spouse, a friend, a family member. You know the the signs are pretty obvious, and just get that person to open up and discuss, and then help them get if they need the professional help, help them get the professional help that they that they need. It is okay. Yes, it is. And yeah. I, I told my Marines that all the time as an officer, like if you got to deal with something, let's deal with it because I, I need you here. Mm-hmm. You know what I. No, no life is worth losing to something that can be resolved with a with a discussion and, and proper treatment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks. All right, when we come back from the break, we're going to just talk about okay, what are some resources that you can utilize? Yeah. Things that have helped people absolutely. transition more easily, mm-hmm. and then resources if you are a veteran or you are um, you know have a love for a veteran um, or a service member transitioning to civilian life, what are some resources to help them transition a little more easier? Okay, right after this break. So before the break, we were just talking about the research, some pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, again, if you are, um, you know, you are a veteran yourself or you are a military member transitioning to civilian life or you know a, a veteran or a military mm-hmm. member, please remember there are a lot of services available to get help if needed. Right. And mm-hmm. you're not alone there. We're going to talk now about some resources. If you are a military member transitioning to civilian life that can help you, some tips and tricks, if you will, Mm -hmm. and um, services that you might not even be aware of that can assist with getting you, um, I guess, situated into civilian living, right? Yeah. So um, one thing it sounded like before we were talking off air was, uh, like you mentioned, Ford, you got to have a plan. Right. 
so tell us about that right because um I mentioned earlier today that the military is really great at training you to be a service member, Mm -hmm. not super great at training you to be a civilian, and that's because that's not their job. Right. Okay. Right. So just you know, you gotta you gotta go into life with a plan. You gotta party with a plan. You gotta live life with a plan. At least something, right? You gotta come. Mm -hmm. You can't just come out to life and wing it. I think we all know that as the right answer on the exam but in practicality I think a lot of people still find that difficult you know mm-hmm. again the military tells you where to sleep where to eat where to go where to be when wearing what with what etc mm-hmm. and so it's a new skill that veterans have to learn and well relearn yeah you know and, and apply in their adult lives post service so that transition with the plan I think is just so important you know at least six months before your separation date, you know, attend the, the TAPS workshop, you know, ask the questions, build the resume, you know, if, if you if you can, talk to your senior enlisted leadership or your, your officer leadership and you know, ask them to read your resume, you know, ask them for help, ask them for advice, you know, memories all the time would say, hey, Sarah, I'm interested in going to college, you know, I don't know, and, you know, what, what do you think? And we'd have a conversation about well, what are they good at, what do they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd look at the resume, and I, I think that's that's the implied task for any any leader, whether enlisted or officer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, have that plan. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? And then execute it. It's a lot easier to deviate from a plan than it is to kind of create one once you've been handed your bags at the airport and you have your DD-214 in your other hand and that's it. By the way, that for those who don't know, the DD-214 is your separation paperwork. Okay. Yes. Hmm. It is like the golden ticket oh. of it is a golden ticket. Willy yeah. Wonka. Right, because that DD-214 translates into those services, if I may continue. Yeah, go for it. So, you know, that is what can help you get a VA disability. That can help you apply for benefits, right? Okay. You need the DD-214 to uh, get the health care or the medical care you need at, say, the VA, right? You need to prove mm-hmm. that you were a service member, that you were in for a certain amount of time, you know, what you did. And, you know, again, applying for, say, disability, right? You, uh-huh. That DD-214 is what you, one of those critical pieces you need, along mm-hmm. with your four-inch thick medical record. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the VA is a great place to start. And okay. I think anyone transitioning or ha- has transitioned, if they haven't gone to the VA, that should be one of your first stops. Mm-hmm. You know, enroll in services. Apply for your, your benefits and get enrolled in care at the VA. And the VA has gotten so much better, even in the last few years. Uh, I mean, I, I even though I have a civilian job, I get my care at the VA. Okay. Because that's there for folks like me for my fellow veterans or brothers and sisters that's what it's there for okay and i think it's important to mention it doesn't mean only you only get uh, to go to the va if you are over 65 right. or if mm-hmm. you um served in combat like every per every military member mm-hmm. who signed on that dotted line mm-hmm. um going in and has you know successfully gotten out of the military honorably discharged right? thank you honorably discharged really does deserve those benefits they deserve to get that care they deserve to get those those benefits at the va Mm -hmm. so even if you have a great you know medical insurance through your other job get signed up for the va it's Mm -hmm. you know it's not too late no is it for life yes yes whether you did four or 40 you have care for life you can go to the va and you you, i got a cold or you know i got hurt or i got this or i got that you can Mm -hmm. go to the va you can get the care 
that you deserve, that, that you rate. Is it just medical services, or is there... No, is there are also mental health services. There's physical rehabilitation. Okay. Uh, I know our... Dental. Dental. Oh, okay. Our Vision. clinic here, uh, which is a subsidiary of the um, Ann Arbor mm-hmm. VA, is phenomenal. I mean, they have everything from orthopedics to your, your general day-to-day physicians. They even have oh. some specialty clinics. I have... Mm-hmm. Um, I know someone who goes to a low vision clinic that's like a specialty clinic in Ann Arbor that is associated with the VA. So yeah. mm. there's a lot of services. They have an acupuncturist now. What? Yeah. Chiropractors, acupuncturists, okay. um, mental health providers especially. Mm-hmm. And now, thankfully, they the VA, they, excuse me, are working with you know, external providers, those who are not directly affiliated or employed with the VA, to get those those services. Like us at the Ironwood mm-hmm. Center, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. We yeah. are a, a provider for TRICARE, mm-hmm. and we provide, you know, vil- military service members with mental health services. Yes, we That's do. right. Yeah. So the resources are there. And, and they're there, you know, for you, and they're there for your your service member if you you know someone. And, mm-hmm. and please just uh, encourage them. That's what's what's there for. Yeah. yeah. So a couple other items. What other I guess resources could be helpful that you either utilize getting you know transitioning or maybe that you know of that you can kind of share with us before we wrap up. Well, sure. So you know, we we talked so much about the. Um, you know, suicide mm-hmm. epidemic. I really want to plug uh, the Veterans Crisis Line. And if you need a pen and paper, I'll give you a few seconds. It's 1 800 273 8255. And if for some reason you don't have a piece of paper, just Google Veterans Crisis Line. It is a free service that has mental health providers and specialists on call 24 7, 365, day, night, winter, snowmageddon, you name mm-hmm. it. Someone is there to take that call. And if you feel like you need care and you're on the urge of doing something that, you know, uh, may be regrettable, please call that, that number and those people can hook you up with the services that you need. Yeah. And, and very you, quickly. Yeah. And if you cannot remember, just dial 988. Yeah. Right. That's mm-hmm. the suicide national suicide hotline. So if you can't remember that long number, or um, you know you didn't write it down, just reach out. Yes. Yeah, just reach out. Other services, you know, if I use my own experiences, sure. you know, mm-hmm. I, I talked about you know joining groups, you know, of veterans or, or, or clubs, or just keeping kind of your feet in the world as as it were to be able to, to work with and. Uh, socialize with other veterans is is huge for your mental and physical well-being mm-hmm. um, you know there are groups all over the place whether it be let's say like the BFW um, or okay. uh, you know college campuses often have a, a veterans or, or military program that is a subsidiary of their NROTC type program mm-hmm. uh, there are all types of groups I mean I'm sure there's something on Facebook in the, your vet, local community. Center. the yeah. vet center abs- absolutely mm-hmm. um, you know and if you are uh, interested in some other projects, yeah, there is the Veterati, V-E-T-E-R-A-T-I, mm-hmm. which is a mentoring network for military members. We have the Wounded Warrior Project. Everyone knows what that, that is. Um, and we already talked about you know the VA. So there are just a myriad of resources mm-hmm. you know, for transitioning and those who have completed their transition, right? And uh, go use all of them. Go use a handful. Find, you know, try, try them all. They're mm-hmm. there for you. Yeah. 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 Thanks so much for yes, coming on our show and thank being so our much. very first it's an honor. person joining us. So we yeah. really appreciate it. Thank uh, you. You've given us a lot of good information. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're listening today and you um, are knowing someone who needs services, if you need that phone number for um, the crisis line, what is it again for? It's 1 800 273 
800-242-8255. Absolutely. Okay. And yes. it's 24-7, 365. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Reach out. Again, don't, not, you know, this whole show is really about balance and finding mm-hmm. and connecting mental health and physical health and well-being mm-hmm. and reminding you, you are not alone. No, you're not. So we thank you so much for joining us today and listening. Thank you. Yes, thank you, everyone. We will be next back next week. Next week, we're going to talk about anger. Anger. So stay tuned. And thank you again for joining us. All right. Take care until next week. Be well. Bye. Bye. Bye.